Welcome to the Trinity Western Chapel Podcast. As a vibrant part of life at Trinity Western University, Chapel creates opportunities for us to engage with God's story of redemption in Jesus Christ through His Word, prayer, and worship. We're glad you're listening and hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. Greetings and welcome back. For some of you, this is your first semester at Trinity Western. For many, you've been here before. And I'm so grateful that you're watching this message in chapel. And before I offer you a brief reflection on identity as gift and calling, I invite you to join me in prayer. Open our ears, O Lord, to hear your word and know your voice. Speak to our hearts and strengthen our wills that we may serve you now and always. In the blessed name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. So I want to invite you into a problem by asking you a question. Why is it so important to spend time thinking about who you are? Not knowing who you are is often part of growing up. No one should feel bad about that. It's simply a season in life, a stage of development. Now, you might be in this period of transition, feeling that others have expectations for you, and not knowing whether to strive to meet them or chart your own path. Alternatively, you may find yourself looking at Instagram and feeling that somehow your life doesn't quite look the same. Perhaps it seems that everyone around you is having more fun. They're having a much more satisfying or exciting life than you. Now, to be honest, everyone has good and bad days. We feel at some point or another frustration, pain, and sometimes loneliness. But what if solving the question, who am I, requires a different strategy or a willingness to ask different questions? For instance, what comes to mind when you stop to ask questions like, does my life make sense? Do I know where I'm going? Do I know what I'm good at? Do I know what to commit to and what goals to strive for? Do I know who and what to love? Do I know how to become connected to people, projects, and institutions of lasting value? Or finally, do I know who to worship and how to remain connected to God? So many questions I know. But what if meaningful answers to these questions can't really be found by looking inwards or surfing the internet? What if finding true and lasting answers to them requires a very different approach? You see, I wonder, and I want you to perhaps join me in thinking through this question. What meaningful progress can we make in our lives if we don't know who we are? You see, if I'm right about this, we need to figure out where could we look to begin answering this question. And as we begin our semester together, I want us to spend a little time meditating upon these words from 1 Peter 2, verses 1 to 10. Peter writes, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. 
As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by human beings, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, it's a wonderful passage, and there's a few different ways of figuring out its structure. But for our purposes, let's simply look at three sections. Section one, consume God's word and taste that the Lord is good. The second section runs from verses four to seven, Look for and respond to God's work in your life. And then carrying on with verse 7 to 10, we have a third section. Live out your identity and calling as a royal priesthood. So let's begin with section 1. Consume God's word and taste that the Lord is good. Our passage begins with what the ancient writers would have called a vice list. You see, this is a list of things that people who seek to live moral and godly lives should avoid. Avoid malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. And then it moves on to a very positive image, the image of birth. Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Note, there's a translation issue here that's worth mentioning in passing. The phrase spiritual milk could just as accurately have been translated milk of the word. And doing so would make a stronger connection with what was said two verses earlier in chapter 1, verse 25, where we hear this. But the word of the Lord endures forever. That word is the good news that was announced to you. In other words, Peter is inviting God's people to set aside moral behavior that will hurt others and to focus on things that will help them mature as godly people. Note, he doesn't just say, don't do this or that. He goes on to say, do this. And the this in question is to crave God's word so that you will grow and mature in your faith. Peter continues with this image of eating God's word. And in verse 3, he says, Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. 
Perhaps some of you, like many in Israel, can hear the echo here. Peter is sampling or alluding to Psalm 34, verses 8 to 10, where we hear this passage. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Again, the literary contrast of lions who grow weak and hungry and those who take refuge in God, who taste and see that the Lord is good, and thus lack no good thing, is profound. And Peter doesn't want you to miss this fact. If you've tasted that the Lord is good, if you've turned away from immoral behavior and have turned to Christ, how can you be confident that you will have all that you need? Now, these are real questions. Questions that demand a real decision. You either trust in your own resources and abilities, or turn to God and consume, eat, taste God's Word. And as a result, you continue to grow and mature and find security in your relationship with God. So that's the first section. Let's look at the second. Look for and respond to God's work in your life. Over the next four verses, the word stone or stones appears six times. Let's look at this and see what we can learn together. Having tasted that the Lord is good, we now find ourselves in verse 4, where we learn that all who have tasted that the Lord is good are invited to turn to Christ, the living stone, rejected by others, but precious and chosen by God. And again in verse 5, we hear that they are called living stones. Now listen carefully to how Peter expresses this point. You see, you're not instructed to try to become living stones, to try to work hard at building a community. Now, we often think this is what God expects of us, and yet that's not at all what's being said here. No, what's being said is uncomfortable, it's disarming, and we're being told that God is the one who is at work. So what do I mean? God is the one who calls you who identifies you, who sets you apart as living stones. God is the one who's at work, even now, at this moment, building you up, connecting each of you to his work and purpose. God is the one who gives you a new identity, something that you could never have chosen for yourself, but an identity that is, as we shall see, so deeply profound and meaningful that once you recognize this, your life and purpose is changed forever, or at least it ought to be. You see, God is the one who works to call and nurture you as a member of his worshipping community, a royal priesthood who, like the priests of ancient Israel, would meet together at temple to learn, pray, and worship together, for it is in worship at the temple that they are close to God. God is the one who calls you, has given you an entirely new and unexpected identity. And through the Holy Spirit, you are being fashioned by God into a holy priesthood. 
And, and what are you to do? You are to live faithfully, to live into your calling and identity as part of God's community of holy priests. Let's look again at verse 5. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. As you live faithfully and fully into your new identity and calling, you will come to see one of God's clear purposes for your life is to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, remember our discussion of identity? You see, it's one thing to have a vague sense of beauty or order or justice, meaning and purpose, and then to risk attributing the source of all of this to some kind of spiritual force or power. But how would you ever know that the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God who delivered Israel from bondage and the God who came to us in flesh as Jesus of Nazareth, is the very God who has entered your life and has delivered you from bondage? How would you ever come to know that God in Christ has drawn so close to you that you have tasted that God is real, loving, faithful, and good? How would any of this happen to you if God was not at work? But God is at work. God has done all of this. And what's more, you are the object of his love and faithfulness. You have been given life, forgiveness, strength, and purpose. Put differently, God is at work, and this work involves giving you a new identity, and this identity, as a holy priest, comes with a calling. You see, if you're a follower of Christ, if you have not only tasted that the Lord is good, but you're growing in your faith and relationship with Jesus, then Peter is saying this, you are being nurtured by God. Now, what's key is God is not doing this simply for you. Yes, it's really good to have a true sense of who you are. It's also a tremendous gift to know what you believe and value. And who wouldn't want to know how to make a lasting impact in the world? All of that's tremendous. But note, Peter is not saying that God is at work simply for you, as an individual, to have identity, meaning, and purpose. Not at all. Peter is telling us that God is at work in your life, drawing you into a living community of fellow believers. You see, you're not a priest alone. You are a Christian with others. Let me say this again. You are not a priest alone but you are a Christian with others. In the same way, the work that you're called to do as a holy priest is not work that you can carry out alone. You are to enter into worship and offer, as Peter says, spiritual sacrifices or praise to God with all others who've been called into this ministry and witness with you. This is why worship and life together in a Christian university matters. For it is here, in learning, praying, and worshiping together, that
that we live more deeply into our new identity as God's children. And remember, God is at work, strengthening and equipping you to offer your entire life as an expression of worship and praise. With this in place, let's turn to the final third section of this passage. Live out your identity and calling as a royal priesthood. You see, verses 7 to 10 reveal that not everyone you meet will trust in God. It begins telling us, doesn't it, to those who believe, in verse 7, Jesus Christ is absolutely precious and has worshipped and honoured as such. But the sad and tragic fact is that not all believe, not all truly honour Christ, and therefore not everyone will avoid shame. As Peter reminds us, while to you who believe the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe in Jesus, something awful occurs. You see, instead of Jesus becoming the very source or purpose, order, direction, guidance, and truth, Jesus becomes a stumbling block. And as Peter says in verse 8, a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Now, you might be uncomfortable with this, and yet it's here. It's here in God's word, and God has revealed this truth for us. Not all will accept and follow Jesus, and we ought to heed the warning about the consequences of rejecting the Lordship of Christ. Those who do not follow Jesus, according to Peter, stumble and fall because they disobey his teaching and they reject the promise of the gospel. Now, you may be saying, I'm a Christian and I will follow Jesus, and I don't want to stumble and fall, I trust in the gospel. Now that's fantastic, it's wonderful. But before I close, let me draw the connection between where we started with the question, can we make meaningful progress in our lives if we don't know who we are? And let's connect that to the final two verses of 1 Peter 2, 1 to 10. So look at verse 9. Peter deepens our understanding of the unique identity and calling that has been given to each of us. Listen again to these remarkable words. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, almost half of this verse is taken directly from Exodus 19, verse 6. And this is tremendously significant. You see, three months into their delivery from Egypt, God's children find themselves in the Sinai Desert, which is to say, following God will not always be easy. Each of us may find ourselves in various kinds of deserts, but it's better to be with God's people in hardship than it is to remain in bondage. But what happened in the desert? Moses spent time with God, and the Lord commanded him to tell the children of Israel these words. Exodus 19, verse 5 and 6. 
Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. With this in mind, turn your imagination back to 1 Peter 2.9. Followers of God persist in seeking to live holy and faithful lives. And this is how they live out their calling as a kingdom of priests. Remember, Peter says, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You see, you are chosen by God. God is at work building you into a royal priesthood. This is your new identity as a child of God. And what are you to do as a royal priest? Having, like the children of Israel, been delivered from bondage? As Peter says, you are to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as you begin this new year, Remember this, if you have tasted that the Lord is good and have found freedom, life, and identity in Christ, then the most important part of knowing who you are has already been made clear, for you are a child of God. And as a Christian, you've not only been granted forgiveness from sin, but have also been given new life, identity, a calling, and direction for your life. Remember, you should no longer be worried about your identity, for you belong to God. And God, the one who created you, is at work transforming your life. In other words, you have a wonderful identity and calling, and it is to join with fellow believers as together you seek to offer your lives back to God in praise and worship. I hope that this message brings you great joy and peace. This positive message about identity and calling is in fact the outflow of Christmas. Christ has come and we, like Israel, have been delivered from darkness. The life that we now live is in the light, presence and person of Christ. Allow me to close by using the words of 1 Peter 2, 9-10, as a prayer of blessing. Beloved of God, wherever you go today, you do not go alone. God always goes before you, and in Christ receive this blessing. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. As people chosen by God, as a royal priesthood, as God's special possession, go out into the world to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope you are blessed and be encouraged in your faith life. Chapel happens every Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 11 a.m. in the gymnasium or online at livechapel.twu.ca. You can also stay connected with us by following at TWChapel.
Until next time, much love.